Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. your host, Jessica Flint. I'm the founder and CEO of Recovery Warriors, a wisdom sharing platform for all people impacted by an eating disorder. Recovery Warriors provides resources and support to heal your relationship to food, body, mind, and soul. I believe recovery is not only possible, but it is worth it. That is why Recover Strong exists, to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder. Today is a continuation of the work we've been doing about getting unstuck. And if this topic of getting unstuck really resonates with you right now and you just want to shift out of it, because sometimes it's just we need this like shift and then we can kind of think about it like a, a ship is like stuck on the rocks. You need to just like get it off the rocks and of course make sure there's no like holes in it. <laughs> not, not a sinking ship. Just get it off the rocks. And then you need to then just get get your orientation a little bit and get that wind in your sails again, right? That's what we need. Sometimes we just need to get off the rocks and have a little momentum behind us. I also just want to give more guidance over a transformational process, a four-step transformational process to really allow yourself to think about where you're at right now and where you ultimately want to be. And today we're going to be focusing more on the assessment aspect of it, like taking ruthless inventory on your life and analyzing how you got stuck and what does that mean? What were the underlying patterns? Now, this topic is really deep. (laughs) And I just want to say, like trying to cover this in a single podcast episode is like, it's, it takes your own ability to self-analyze and do introspective work to truly get the gold out of this. And that means really looking at your patterns, making them as conscious as you can. Where have you seen these repeated things show up? And a little tip here is look outside of just your relationship to food. Because often how we do one thing is how we do everything. We'll kind of carry the same temperament traits or the same feelings into our relationship with food, our relationship with body, our relationship with money, our relationship with our career, our relationship with authority figures. There's a lot of connection there. So kind of start to see what are your common complaints in these areas or the ways like blame or things that you just don't like or just rub you wrong. And you can start to see the patterns. And going into your family history is another very powerful way because there's so much inherited like psychological traits and and traumas from our family line that most of the time we're not even aware of. Like they don't get talked about or they don't get passed on. Like we're not necessarily able to read our grandma's journals or our, you know, like, I mean, if you do, that's rad. I'd love to read my grandma's journal. Uh, But there's this, this idea of the family line and how much weight that carries within us. There can be genetic predispositions or psychological predispositions, any dysfunctions that are within the family or just patterns, series of bad choices that family members have made that have been passed on to generations of of the family line. And this can create a chain, this cause and effect, and it just gets passed on to one generation, to the next, to the next. And so what happened in previous generations does have a profound effect on generations to come. So when you're doing this work, don't just think, so small within your own self and your in the relationship with food and and that start to really branch out and start to see more of how the connection of where your struggles are whether there are similar struggles in your family line are you repeating them are you trying really hard to avoid them at all cost and just get curious all of this is about judgment-free radical curiosity just get super curious and begin to see how how what we fear is deep within us. And 
this leads me to to talk about uh, a way I want to share a personal story of mine. And really, this story has been like 10 years in the making. And I really did want to tell the story at a point where it was like I found success around this big struggle um, that I've had uh, over the past 10 years. And I think the point is to show up in the deeper lesson that I've learned from it. And like, and it's not that we need to have some perfectly wrapped up bow, social media approved type of way to get to a deep sense of peace and acceptance around something. And it's like, I feel like I'm living my success story on the inside. Yeah, that's it. I like, I feel like the success story is in the inside and it's not on the outside. And I really feel like when we can get to a point of acceptance internally and love and just meeting ourselves with that indestructibleness, indestructible worthiness and enoughness is the success story. And the outside doesn't even matter. And the outside does start to take shape more when that is the overriding consciousness and the overriding way of being. And I have had a a way of being over the past 10 years that has been informed deeply by, by my traumas, by my family history, that has led me to kind of play small uh, in the way of letting fear take over what I what I truly want. And oof, fear can be so convincing. Oof, that fear. And, and how I want to tell the story, because this has been on my mind for a long time of like, how do I talk about this? Because I, I want to share it. And I'm always very conscious with when I share things on the show. I do feel like I have to like have a, a good understanding I'm not that type of person that's just going to share half-baked ideas with you so I, I often go through my own process and then and then, I, then I'll share and in this one I was like this is so meaty there's just like a lot to it <laughs> and I I went this this past weekend to this beautiful cottage out in um like beautiful cottage in nature along the river here in Texas and it was for my uh, friends one of my grade school friends her wedding and she had this just fairy tale wedding in this castle on the lake. And I was staying in this just, oh my God, this adorable just cottage. And it was just surrounded by nature, literally like there was no one there. Uh, I did have a plus one that I decided to end things with. It's because it was just going back into this pattern that I have had of really attracting unavailable men, which... At this point, I, I'm very conscious of like shadow work. So it's when they're unavailable, it means that I'm unavailable. And and I want to talk about my own unavailability in this show. I don't want to focus on their unavailability because they're just unavailability is, is really what I'm attracting in because that's safe. When they're unavailable, that's safe for me because we don't have to be available. <laughs> but I really embraced going by myself. I was like, you know what? This beautiful Airbnb, like I'm going to enjoy it. So I just asked when I was driving in, I'm like, you know what? Just like universe make this magical (laughs) like I just want to like feel like I'm getting a deeper connection to to my story right now because I really feel like I'm in the messy middle at this point I have the most self-respect the most self-love like I am really my own fierce advocate and I believe in my worth I mean I'm there I'm feeling it feeling it I'm feeling it I'm experiencing I'm like yes like the story is shifting I'm not taking shit I'm saying no to things that aren't in alignment with what I actually want. And there's so much power there. And I feel it. I know it. It's like that's when you get the power, when you're able to step away from things that aren't what you ultimately want and aren't in alignment and say, this isn't what I want. It's so hard to grow beyond something if you won't let go of it. So if like I will not let go of the unavailable man, I cannot grow past the unavailable man. I'm not going to sit there willfully trying to get unavailable man to become available. And to me, that has been a really big lesson to walk away, even if I've spent six months or even 10 months with said unavailable man thinking that this is workable and to be like, this isn't workable. This isn't happening. Oh, okay. And then you're like, okay, ego, you're going to be okay. I love you. 
Just go sit there with your little bruise there and uh, we can get through this. Like, it's okay. So when I'm, when I'm on the way, I'm like, just, you know, make it magical. So we're going, I'm going down this gravel road. This, this is like really like tucked out in the back in nature. There's like gravel roads and it was pretty much, there's like nothing out there aside from this cottage. <laughs> and so I was kind of like a little creep to like, don't kill me anybody. Um, and side note, and just a little sidebar here is like, I'm in love with roses. Um, like my alter ego, I like to call is like Rose. My pen name is the resilient Rose. And I just, I, oh my God, I just, and Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorite fairy tales. Like I just am so in love with the symbolism of a rose and, and the blooming aspect of it. And like the resilient rose too. Like, I feel like that is like my life story is just this like resilient rose that has had to bloom in, in these hard conditions and to truly find my beauty and my grace and, and my strength uh, internally to, to then externally radiate and to, to then be able to really like blossom into my full expression of myself. And I do consider myself a late bloomer in many, many ways. And so the rose to me is just holds so much uh, symbolism. And so out in the middle of like nowhere in Texas, going down this gravel road and the road that the cottage is on is called Rose Way. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of magical. I'll take it. And then before getting to Rose Way, uh, it was the name of my plus one and it was his ridge. <laughs> and I was like, well, looks like Rose's way doesn't align with your ridge. So I'm going on my own path right now. And I just found that kind of crazy. I'm like, of all the names in the world, like it's his ridge. <laughs> like That's kind of crazy. But anyways, I love synchronicities. I think they are really like the universe's breadcrumbs to kind of just show you that you're 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 where you're meant to be. And so I was on Roseway and my little cottage there right on the river and I I woke up in the morning and once again I was just like you know, make this magical. Like I just said it once, but just that was kind of my openness and I just I, like help me learn like I want to learn from this. I I want to be able to to take this experience and I know I'm going to be talking about this on the podcast. Like how, how can I understand where I'm at right now in my life in a, in a, in a way that I can communicate. And it really tied in with the, this, this idea that, well, first I'll kind of, I mentioned that I, I've struggled a lot with the unavailable man and yeah, I experienced all these heartbreaks and all these uh, emotional experiences that were intense, but they really weren't ever like the real thing because they were unavailable. So it was like, I was kind of pretending. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is love. And it's like, well, it's not really just good because like, they're not really available. <laughs> uh, and so getting out into the real thing is really where I have to face my fears, right? To get out to the real thing. When I look at the patterning, because today we're really looking at just like analyzing and really being able to assess the patterns that are, are underlying the stuckness and this has been such a maturation process for me to have the ability to bring this all conscious. So what I'm going to be sharing today is like, I'm sharing a lot of work that went into this. Like, I can't even express how many thousands of hours have gone into me to get to this today. So with your own story, I just want you to keep digging. Like, don't stop at the surface. Like, keep digging and digging and digging and digging and finding the gold. Because when you find it, there's this clarity and then you can really work with it and just, just allow yourself to keep digging, get into that. So keep digging. And what I found was the common like thread, like where of all the relationships in the past 10 years that I've had, like where was the, where was like the little thing that was in all of them and, and in some way, shape or form. And it really boiled down to, to children. Um, and I'm going to share a few parts of my, my story that I, I've never really spoken about. And to kind of eh, look at how much fear can hold us back. And, and these fears don't even have to be real. Like they can be imagined fears or, or it just are like fueled by these like major cognitive distortions, like these negative filterings or the all or nothing or overgeneralization and jumping to conclusions or catastrophizing or fortune telling. And I'm, I'm going to be sharing some of my fears, but these are just common cognitive distortions where it's like the fear feels so real, but but it 
it's imagined. It hasn't happened yet, right? Anxiety, fear, it's in the future. But what I found was this idea with, with having children and my initial kind of jump into having children was back when I was 29, I was at a point, I was in a five-year relationship and I, we were at four years then. And he, from the very beginning, wanted to have kids. And he was nine years older than me and was very clear about it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I want to have kids too. And I was, I think at the point, like 24, 25. And I was like, oh, I got a lot of time, <laughs> you know, like, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out down the road. It was always very clear that we would have kids if we continued together. And at the same time, I started creating Recovery Warriors, uh, which, by the way, was like my baby. Like I, I birthed this this company. It, it, it started from a seed of potentiality and it, it really grew within me. And I put a lot of my creative energy into this company. And that was around the same time I got pregnant and we essentially did it like on the first try and and I got pregnant and I was like, well, I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. And <laughs> and at the same time, I was creating Recovery Warriors. I was just getting the Rise Up app and I just had this like big vision for what the company could become. And I think I was kind of had these competing creative energies within me. I also had this like in, intuition that like this isn't the man I, I want to like raise my family with. Like this isn't raise a family with, he's, he's a great man and he would be a great father, but like, he's not my match. And we had, like, I remember one day we had this fight and I just was crying on my bed and I'm like, oh my God, but like the baby's in me. Like, I don't know if I want this, you know? And I was just like, ah, and kind of like, I can't get out of this now. Like this is happening. And, um, I eventually on, on Valentine's Day was delivered the news. And ironically, it's like I formed Recovery Warriors uh, two a year before that uh, on Valentine's Day. So Recovery Warriors was created on Valentine's Day. And then um, this news was delivered by a doctor. I was living in Mexico on Valentine's Day that the pregnancy was not going to to go, it, it, that, that it, I was going to be miscarrying. And... The doctor was essentially like, yep, you're just going to miscarry and it's just going to be like another period. This was all in Spanish. I speak Spanish fluently, but I feel like when it's like a medical thing, like maybe I would have asked more questions if I was in the U.S. Um, and like there's no pain pills or anything, no talk about a DNC. And it was just go have a period. And I'm like, all right. So I had some conference travel to do. At a conference in San Francisco that was more about like business building, entrepreneurship. And then I also had a conference in Florida right after that, kind of back-to-back -back conferences for the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, IADEP. And, you know, this is in my very early stages of bootstrapping this company. I did not have a lot of money. I was working as a seagoing oceanographer and was just very limited in my resources. And so these conferences aren't cheap for the airfare and the hotel room to buy the conference ticket, all of it. I mean, it starts to add up. So in San Francisco, I got the seediest room in the unsafest area of San Francisco and no like communal bathroom. It, God knows what people were doing in that place. Like it was n super shady, super seedy, but I was like, okay, I saved some money. And I came back to the hotel, uh, to my room. Gratefully, I had a single room and I began to miscarry in, in the room. And so my boyfriend at the time was in Mexico and I'm in San Francisco. And this was pre-Zoom, like pre all the really easy ways to connect with people on WhatsApp and all that internationally. And so we would communicate through Skype. I just could not get a hold of him. And I think the internet was down in the room too. It was like this whole thing where I just like couldn't talk with him. So it was just, and I don't know if any of you guys have gone through a miscarriage or know anybody, but it's like, <laughs> it's like really painful. Like I have a mega high pain tolerance and that was by far the most painful thing in my life. It's like these contractions, like you have these like full on contractions. It was intense. I was just popping all these Advil and just was in like the worst pain of my life. And then I get to the point where I, I finally, um, you know, miscarried and it was just a lot. I, I remember I just felt so alone, like on, on in that experience. It, it was a really 
painful, like emotionally painful, uh, physically painful experience. And I felt very alone in it. And the response that I, I got after was kind of just like, okay, like just try again. It, it was very much just like, let's just uh, wipe it under the rug. Like, let's just try again. Or like, uh, you know, a lot of people this happens to. And so it, it was kind of this thing where I just like, oh, I'm just going to like keep going, you know, not acknowledge that I, I, I had a, an intense emotional experience and possibly have a lot of grief <laughs> that's coming from it. And, and then right after that too, um, my boyfriend and I, a few months later broke up. So it's, I, and, and that was because I recognized, you know, that this wasn't ultimately what I wanted. And that was hard to kind of have both of these experiences around the same time. But going back to that, that part of the story, well, the next day I had to go to fly to Florida. Now, no joke, like within eight hours, I could have been having that exact same experience in flight from San Francisco to Florida. But I was like, oh my gosh, by the grace of God, I had it like, while I, <laughs> while I was not in flight, I couldn't even imagine being in flight going through that pain. But I get to Florida. And then first and foremost, if I was like to speak to Jessica uh, now, I'd be like, honey, like you don't have to go to the conference. <laughs> like You don't have to like pretend like nothing happened. Like you just had a really intense experience. Like I was really excited about being a mom. Like it, it really was something that felt um, like I, I wanted it. And so in IADEP, the, at the conference, one of the talks was about motherhood and recovery. And essentially was talking about how a lot of women who are recovered from an eating disorder struggle postpartum because they may have uh, more depression or more anxiety come up and it can lead to the reactivation of behaviors. And in, I was drawn to this talk, right? Because like, because my whole mind and my body's still pumped with all these hormones. It's still like pregnancy, motherhood, like exciting, you know, like I want this and not now, but maybe later. And I get into the talk and we do this guided visualization where we, where we go from uh, the very like initial embryo being fertilized all the way to growing it and growing it and growing it and growing your full baby and then having your body change and the like all of feeling all of that within you and then giving birth to it. It was just like, I like lost it. And that was not the experience I needed to be having in that moment without proper like grief therapy. And I didn't have at the time when I was starting Recovery Warriors, I didn't have access to mental health resources. So I, you know, here I am trying to help the whole world with their mental health. And I, I didn't have that ability. I didn't have those resources available to me. And so I wasn't really able to work with this experience much. And um, it did leave a profound kind of mark on me in the sense where I'm like, well, first, like it created a fear that I would not be able to have a kid. And that was kind of my first kind of big fear here. And I'm going to be sharing three of them. And I mean, there's there's more. And uh, But I'll kind of tie this into with uh, a visual that I think can help you in understanding your your fears and, and what I learned when I was in my little make it magic time at the cottage. And so the activating event is that there was a miscarriage, right? My belief and thought is that I, I created it um, instead of like being like, well, I mean, maybe he had issues or I, you know, why I don't know why it all is on me as the one who, who who's not going to be able to ultimately bring this out. But I think as the woman, maybe we feel like you hold more responsibility in it. And yeah, it just became this fear that I, I wouldn't be able to, to be able to give somebody a, a child. And it, it's a big one for me. Like, and then this really ties into control because it's like, I can't guarantee it. Um, will you still love me? Like, uh, you know, like if you want a baby and I can't give you a baby, like then, uh, then and of course go for what you want. Like if that's what you want and I can't give you what you want. So I recognize that this has been a deep seated fear is that I just can't give a guarantee. I don't know. And I, when I think about it, it's just like kind of funny because I'm like, Jessica, this is like everybody, like no one is knows, no one's no one can guarantee that they're going to have a, a healthy pregnancy. And so many people have miscarriages, like all pretty much all of my friends have had miscarriages in, in now having their, their family, right? So it's just like, it's pretty common and nobody, nobody can give a guarantee. Like it's just my own fear of, of that event and then abandonment comes in and it's like, nah. <laughs> no, 
And so when I was at the cottage, I uh, kind of, when I asked to make it magical, like just, I when I woke up in the morning, the cottage was like surrounded by 30 deer. Like they were everywhere. I was like, this is crazy. Like I've never seen this many deer. And they're all just, you know, moseying around and eating the grass. And I have this um, animal spirit deck that I absolutely love. It's it's my favorite. It's just, uh, and I looked it up. I'm like, well, let me look up the deer, like what it symbolizes. And the deer was the symbol of motherhood and compassion and gentleness. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. And because I'm contemplating a lot about motherhood, as you'll see in the, in the show right now. And then... Uh, I get to have my morning coffee and there's all these like coffee cups got from Target, whatever, just like all the same color. And then there's like one lone cup, the unique one. And I'm, I'm definitely the person who likes to be unique. So I like go for the unique one and it's like world's best mom. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. And so I'm sitting there with my world's best mom mug. So then I went outside and I was like listening it was really early i got up at the the crack of dawn and there was all these like chickens they're just like rack, 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 and just like clucking around i was like oh that's annoying all those chickens kind of messing with my serene nature sounds <laughs> and and then at the same time when i was listening to all these chickens this absolutely just magnificent swan just started to like float so gently down the river and the swan is just so graceful it's just so elegant really symbolizes this inner beauty to me and in the the story too of like the ugly duckling ties in a lot with where i feel like we have to go through these like ugly duckling stages in our lives where we feel just so like out of place and just like everything's just wrong with us but then when we can get to the, the swan stage, it's when it's like your full radiant beauty. And I have, and I actually looked up swan in this guide that I have on animal spirit guides. And it, when the swan shows up, it means no matter what is happening in your life right now, do whatever it takes to keep your faith strong. It's important to accept your life circumstances and surrender to the will of spirit, trusting that all will work out you'll soon find clarity and purpose in the confusion that you're experiencing. Focus on the fact that life is a precious and sacred gift and express your gratitude and appreciation in as many ways as possible. Whatever changes you're going through, go with the flow. So yeah, I think the swan just definitely has this like knowingness and just beingness that 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 all is well, right? That it has this, once again, this quiet, power and the chickens on the other hand are like back, 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 back. <laughs> just like kind of going crazy and i was recognized i'm like okay i've been chickens are like our fear they're like our like i have that chicken for the miscarriage so here i am in the world trying to meet a mate right past 10 years once that relationship ended just really like wanting to make this whole meet a mate, have a family, like this sounds amazing. This is what I want. And first I get my my, my little chicken there with the miscarriage. Bark, bark, you're gonna have miscarriage, bark. <laughs> like, oh my God, okay. You're never gonna be able to have one, bark. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I start to see that, wow, Jessica, you have, you have a few bigger chickens than just that because yeah, the miscarriage, the fertility, all of that is a thing, but there's a lot that you can do nowadays with that and one isolated event doesn't mean that that's going to be my forever future uh, with fertility and having a kid. Then I started to do to deep do deeper work because I'm recognizing like where's this this bigger block. And then I see this as I have have recently kind of shared this past year coming to terms that you know I was sexually abused by my caregiver when I was young and from you know I don't know how early it started but I know up to the age of seven which from zero to seven is really where we're forming really important views around safety and security and our worldviews and who to trust and what is love and and very important years for a child's development and when you're creating what your worldview is and how, how you perceive the world 
So when I start to become a mama or think about being a mama, that creates a really big fear of like, ooh, what's, <laughs> I can't protect that kid. Like, I, can I trust anybody with a kid? Because in my past, my caregiver was not trustworthy. And so there's that other control element comes in where it's, I don't know who I'm inviting in to my family. And I don't know if I can trust them. And that's a deep one. So then all of a sudden that chicken is there about bark, 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 not going to be able to trust predator, predator, <laughs> pedophile. I don't know if most people even think about this, but it's something I think about a lot. If a guy like says that he wants to have a little girl, I'm like, like, why do you, why do you want to have a little girl? Like, why? Like, ew. Like, there, there's that part of me that's like, uh, like, I, there's a part of me that doesn't trust that, and 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 that just breaks my heart. It does. It's like, oh, to to have to go through life not being able to trust it is is really hard, and that's when I say the the grief. I knew I was going to get emotional during this. <laughs> but it's meeting this this parts of us that have had to protect or defend so fiercely in our life. And, and with that, having to keep such a strong distance. And so that is, is one of my chickens that makes a lot of noise. And then the third one that, has been really powerful for me is my family history of my grandma's mental health. When my grandma was married for 12 years before she conceived my mom, and this was back in the late 50s, she was a stay-at-home wife of a very successful businessman and had all that she needed. I mean, I do believe there was probably some fertility issues if it took 12 years. And she had my mom and she was 40 years old. And prior to that, she was just a normal Southern woman. And after that, she, what we believe is got really bad postpartum depression that got misdiagnosed essentially or mistreated. And the sad thing is, is that my grandpa did have a lot of money to pour into the latest and greatest technologies and mental health. And in the late 50s, that was uh, electric shock therapy. And so she went through a lot of electric shock therapy treatments and was given the psychotropic medications that really messed with her. And she was kind of in and out of mental homes my mom's whole life. My mother grew up without having a secure or an attachment to her mother. And a year before I was born, my grandma drowned in, in a mental, um, a psychiatric ward. And I'm just thinking now, like, wow, to lose your mom and then have a baby girl a year after is really is really heavy. I mean, I think it was the same year that she got pregnant with me and then the nine months. And um, I never met my grandma, obviously. And when I see this one, I think of all the chickens is probably the biggest or, or is probably like a two-headed chicken. <laughs> it's a big-ass chicken. Because I I think so much of the fear is like, what happens if I have a kid and, and my mental health goes really down or I lose my ability to perform in my career? And this becomes like a survival thing. And so when I look at these these three big things, right? Three pretty deep, big things. And I wasn't conscious to how any of these would be something that would hold me back from wanting to have a kid, you know, I think the miscarriage one was the only one I really connected the dots on until until later, until I've had more work on myself and just been able to do a lot of, of this deeper discovery work to be like, yeah, the chickens, it's like if I'm trying to 
relate with someone on a very intimate, deep level to make such a strong commitment and bond to create a child. And those chickens are like, just freaking out. Like it kind of freaks the guy out too, you know? And I'm, I'm not saying I literally am like bringing chickens with me, but it's just like, if that's my, my inner world, my inner world is like so afraid of this and just so like freaked out about it, then it, it's like natural that the person I'm going to bring in is 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 going to be confused and disoriented and like not really clear about this. And for you, I want you to think about your chickens. The things I just like shared too, I'm sure very few of you are like, oh yeah, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> um, I mean, the statistics do say that one in four girls have some type of sexual uh, abuse to them by the age of 18 and one in 10 men. Um, I know a lot of people who've had childhood sexual abuse, maybe not always at the hands of their caregiver, but of family members or uh, friends. And that could be a really big chicken in your life. We all have our chickens. So your chickens are things that are going to just be freaking out about whatever it is that you are stuck with. Like I was definitely stuck with this with this story around children and um, and very unconscious to it at first because often when we feel like it's just happening to us, that's when we're in a state of unconsciousness. Once we start to realize that we are bringing something into the equation that is creating this in our life, that's when we start to become more conscious of it. And so by the time I was 36, still completely unconscious to it, and then I get to 36 and COVID, it, it hits and it was a really hard time to be in your fertile years and just be shut off from the world. I did connect with, guess, an unavailable man that I spent like six months kind of like talking with over online, you know, and, and all of that. But like it didn't work out to anything. And I'm back on the saddle again to, to meet another guy. And um. And then it started just to happen by like the second date, they would be like, um, yeah, you're like, I don't think I'm ready to have kids right now. Um, like, I just don't want to hold you back. And I was like, I literally didn't say anything about kids. Like we just getting to know one another. And then another date, you know, like vascular surgeon, like I was like really excited about this one and same thing. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm not even like, they're just seeing me as this like clock like they're just seeing me as this 36 clock and I want to be seen like for me like I really want to meet somebody because that's always been my thing before like just having a kid is like I want a good father like I want a family I don't want to be the single parent mom I'm not I'm not the type who would want to just go and have a kid just to have a kid and be a single mom nothing against that but like I my oh, ultimate bliss would be to have an amazing partner who'd be an amazing father and just be a great team in having a family. And that was what feels so expansive is, is the actual person I'm, I'm having the kid with. And so I, by the end of the year, I, 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 my, my therapist was working with me on this and we were kind of saying, well, you know, like, she was like, you know, it seems like there's just this ambivalence that you keep on attracting and we're kind of looking at it. And she's like, how about you make the decision where you're either fully in or fully out? Because at that point, I was starting to be like, well, I don't even know if this is going to happen. So I was kind of entertaining the option of like, no, like I don't this I have to like be accepting if it doesn't happen. So I was kind of like, well, I don't need to have kids. And but it, it was still a want. And I by the end of the year, the kind of assignment was to to pick a lane, just pick a lane and and really own it, you know, not one foot in, one foot out, just boom, this is what I want. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to pick the I don't want kids lane because I felt like when I was doing the I want kids lane, this wasn't working for me. And so even because once again, at the time, I wasn't aware that I had all these chickens with me. <laughs> I was bringing all these chickens on my date. <laughs> the guy's like, oh my God, you're scaring me. <laughs> You're so confused. And so so I owned it. 
and this was one cool thing where I recognized, like, I, I, I do believe, like, when we get clear on things, the universe really does provide. I've had so many experiences in my life where it's just like, boom, like, you want it, it's here, but it's like, you have to get through all the the fog, right? Like, it's hard to deliver the order when it's so foggy and there's these chickens everywhere. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, um, no kids. And then it was the coolest thing because everybody that I attracted in was like totally on board with no kids. Either they like biologically couldn't have them or they just were okay with no kids. And I was like, this is really cool. And what was so beautiful about it was that I got to experience connecting with people without them seeing me as a ticking clock. And for me, it was like I got to be more confident in that. And all my chickens kind of just stopped balking. I, I had other chickens that balked about other things. But like those big like chickens, like the big balkers, like with the deeper the deeper things they they just kind of like went and sat in their coop and chilled out because they're like we're not talking about kids <laughs> there's nothing to talk about here so they just kind of like went in hibernation mode and i gotta tell you that felt really good to to have that really intense fears anxieties just kind of just sit because i didn't i wasn't gonna sleep in dragon you know i wasn't gonna awaken them like i wasn't gonna have kids and it was great to connect with people in 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 this this time period. It was is around two and a half years that I that I was child free by choice, and it's kind of funny. Like looking back, I'd be very like right away, like I don't want to have kids, <laughs> like right away, like I don't want to have kids. So just kind of like throwing it out there, like get to know me as me, you know, like just don't even like don't even reject me right away because you're like see me as a as this ticking time clock, and it was nice, and I was able to actually at this point. Um, say no to men because they weren't the right ones where when I was trapped in the cycle I would really uh, abandon myself because I just wanted it to work so bad like I wanted it to work so bad and I just wanted to like not have to waste more time <laughs> like I really did I was just like I don't want to waste more time I would date inauthentically and I look back and I and I I'm sad about that I wasted a lot a lot a lot of energy and time on men. They didn't see it as a gift, right? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't honor it. They didn't respect it. And, but then looking back at myself as I didn't honor myself, I didn't respect myself enough to be like, you know, I think uh, we're not really like a good match and I'm going to raise my standards a little bit more. And now I'm finally at a place where I'm like, you know what? I do want to have kids or at least I want to try and it still really boils down to meeting a great man like that's my most important thing it's like great man then kids not kids great man and then we determine if we want to have kids um the good thing about going two and a half years uh without with being very clear that I wasn't going to have kids as my life choice is I did get to experience what that would be like and kind of let go of the idea of not having kids so that was I got to see it I got to try it on I got to be like I can live this life so in, in many ways I'm grateful for that experience even those two and a half years that I I, I definitely went off path and, and now I'm kind of rerouted and back on on the path here and and why the swan kind of was an important symbol for me to see there was I'm really recognizing uh first and foremost is to take the lessons that I learned of still having strong boundaries being much more discerning from the beginning right if someone comes in and they're showing these marks these patterns of the unavailability and the I'm just getting over a major relationship and I'm not ready that's not for me like I I want somebody who's who's strong, who who can fly with me and um build a nest together. Like I'm so to have that discerning and to have that that resolve and, and set those boundaries very early and, and to say, no, this isn't for me. And uh it's uh but it is it this is the messy middle and at this point I'm recognizing how important it is to like give back to my own self. 
I gave so much of my life force and creative energy to these unavailable men. And I see it so clearly. And I love me so dearly because it really was just this little girl who wanted to be loved and to love. Like that's as simple as that. Just wants to love and be loved. And was just doing it in all the wrong places. And it breaks my heart. It, it breaks my heart. And it's and it's hard when you when you get to this when I'm looking at turning 39 and it's like these decisions had real consequences. And and that's important for me to talk about because our decisions have real consequences. If we're going to listen to our chickens just balk and and really believe them and and let them kind of steal the show instead of being the elegant swan with just this this knowing this the beautiful radiant being right this this swan just going with the flow and, and that's what i'm bringing in now i am going to be freezing my eggs um i think it's better late than never um i was gonna do it when i was 36 but then covid hit and then some other things my my precious dog Ona started to get really sick and medical costs got really high. And so the money that I saved, I don't know, I'm going to cry now. The, I miss Ona. Uh, the money, the money that I saved uh, to do, to freeze my eggs the money that I saved to freeze my eggs, I had to pay for Ona's medical costs. And um, I guess this is just bringing up emotion because I recognize like, I look back at the decisions and uh, I just look back at how important that year 36 was on uh, different decisions I could have made and ultimately choosing no and my heart wanted yes, but I just felt, I just held myself back out of fear. And so, but the story's not over. And I, I truly am at this point just kind of, ex kind of just excited about, and I am, and I'm hopeful because that going back to that swan, going back to the swan was no matter what is happening in your life right now, do whatever it takes to keep your faith strong. It's important to accept your life circumstances and surrender to the will of spirit, trusting that all will work out. So at this phase, what I've recognized is I'm going to do my best. I'm going to freeze my eggs and I'm going to um, really own my yes. Recognize that if someone says, I don't know, that is a no. <laughs> I'm going to be more discerning and... I'm going to love my chickens because it's not about getting rid of the chickens. For me, doing those two and a half years where my chickens went to sleep, they're still there. I still, those chickens still need to be seen and fed and, and loved, right? Because they all are part of me. And for me, it, it is important to have clarity around what I really want. And so at this point, what I really want is family. So whoever I attract in, I think what the most important thing is, is I want to feel like I have family. I want to feel like I have community. I don't want to feel like I'm a lone wolf. I want secure attachment. I want attunement. I want belonging. I want cuddles. I'm, the, I'm just such a cuddly person. And I know I'd be a great mom. And if that doesn't happen, then I accept that. And so I share this story just because there is that acceptance. I truly have gotten to a place where, yes, I just cried a little bit because it's not about us being done ever crying about things or ever not feeling the grief. There's just a lot of grief there. I Ona's death anniversary or crossing over celebration is, is this week. It's been a year since I lost her and I was her fur mama and nine and a half years. I was with her every day almost. We were super bonded and she was like my daughter. 
So this journey to motherhood is a, it's just been a long, weird, windy road, but I'm on it and I'm not afraid and I'm going to keep walking forward and wherever you're at, whatever you're stuck with, start to dig deep. Look at the patterns. What are your chickens? That's, that's my call to action for you. What are your chickens? What are the things that are there behind you that are trying to hold you back, yelling all this stuff? saying that this is never going to happen, or if this happens, if you do this, then this happens, and if this happens, then that will happen. All this negative filtering, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralizations, jumping to conclusions, catastrophizing, fortune-telling. Guys, all of this, all these things aren't truth, (laughs) and they really can supremely hold you back from the truth that you're inherently good, that you're indestructibly enough and you don't have to stay stuck. You really don't. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior.